Hello, welcome. Sunday morning, Triple H 100.1 FM. You are listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy. This is a show that covers health and well-being through connection to people, people in our community and people beyond who share with us their experiences, their choices and consequences, and regardless of age, their innate wisdom. By discerning and getting a sense of what is transferable from what these guests share, we can choose to apply the relevant aspect in our lives and in our community and develop programs that found a more sustainable, loving and heartfelt way to be with each other, thereby improving our physical and mental health. Now, this week's show on Stay in the Loop with Lucy follows perfectly from last week's show on decency and respect. Today is a white ribbon special As a newly appointed White Ribbon Advocate, part of my job is to educate, encourage discussion and share what is being done in our area and how we can get involved. So my first job must be to welcome my guest in the studio today from two local schools. I have Peter Sherlock, school captain at Knox Grammar. Welcome. Hi, everyone. Lachlan Walker, the social justice prefect. Welcome. Yeah, hi, it's great to be here. I have Tig, the school captain at Taramara High. Hello. And Hunter, equally school captain at Taramara High. Hello. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you have two females and two male school captains, is that correct? Yeah, that's very correct. Now, White Ribbon began in Canada in 1991 on the second anniversary of one man's massacre of 14 women in Montreal. A group of men started the campaign to encourage others to to speak out against violence against women. In 1999, the United Nations General Assembly declared the 25th of November the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women, and the white ribbon was adopted as the symbol of the day. The statistics, which give us an indication of the need to do something, are illustrated in the fact that one in four women have experienced violence by an intimate partner they may or may not be living with. 1.7 million women have experienced sexual violence. Both men and women are three times more likely to be physically assaulted by a man. Women are most likely to be assaulted in their own home. And men are most likely to be assaulted in their place of entertainment. Does that surprise any of you? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's very obvious that women are obviously um, harassed more than men. There's a dramatic difference there. Um, and you can see it through the stats you've just read out. When we wonder about the impact these assaults have, one in four employed women took time off work as a result of the most recent incident of physical assault by a male cohabiting partner. Over a million women said that their children had seen or heard partner violence. Now, I've covered on this show so many times about the effect of early trauma on the developing brain and the consequent emotional troubles that young people have growing up. Um, We've got the mirroring neurons. They're at their most active from when they're first born, when the brain is developing, to adolescence, when, you know, they get their second surge. The mirroring neurons, we watch, we learn, we copy. So if that's the case, what we see in our homes and in our environment and in our friendship group is really important. Yeah. You know, the standard that we see and the standard that we accept as normal. And sometimes I think it's difficult to explain to a young person who has that as normal in their home that it's not normal because for them it is normal. Yeah. Um, Especially, absolutely. Um, We've got to watch particularly as young men, we've got to watch ourselves, we've got to watch our language um, because anyone could be listening, um, whether it be in public or even in your schools, other people could be listening. Um, just we Sometimes we do it without thinking. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it kind of just comes out. Mm. And so we need to take that conscious effort to kind of think about what we're saying. Setting a standard, perhaps. But some people find it really hard not to copy. Yeah. I know in my family, I did come from a family of domestic violence, and my little brother, compared to me, is a very different person. Mm. Um, I grew up essentially being raised by my two sisters, my grandma and my mum. I just ignored my father. Um, and I protected my family when I got to the age where I was physically strong enough to. My little brother is probably... He's older than I was when I started doing that. But he finds it really difficult not to mirror another person's actions. I found it, I think... It depends on the personality. I found it quite easy not to mirror his actions because I knew what he was doing was wrong from a young age. But because my little brother, I think, didn't realise it was wrong from a young age, 
marries his actions a lot more. He's a lot, not necessarily more violent, but a lot more aggressive than I was. Wow, Hunter, that ability to for you to see that you can not copy and repeat the patterns that you've been taught that's huge like i'm i'm in full admiration i you're the reflection for your brother in your family mm, i i would hope i was the reflection in my family um i tried that but i think because we don't want him to resent us we do allow him to see his dad and he's not violent anymore he hasn't probably been for i'd say since i was 14, 15. That's good. Um, and he doesn't live with us. Um, mm-hmm. We kicked him out when I was... Well, I kicked him out when he's, I was 12 years old. Yeah. Um, and... But because my little brother has such a big relationship with my father, he doesn't exactly want to look at me as a sort of not fatherly figure but grown-up figure. He only wants to look at a dad and that's why he makes it so difficult is a lot of the time it's the person closest to you that's a male figure in your life that you mirror and his closest figure is his father and therefore he marries him. Don't we have such an enormous responsibility? I know that a lot of parents listen to this podcast uh, at this radio station and then the podcast that comes from this show. I think what you've offered there is something that we can all take back into our own homes and appreciate the, the ripple effect of our behaviour on another. So I'm going to bring it to White Ribbon and to being a White Ribbon school. When we talk about the White Ribbon school, you, your school, Peter and Lachlan, in 2006, wasn't it, take the initiative? Lachlan, you are social justice captain, so perhaps you have quite a, um, a, a rounded picture of where this program started in your school. Um, so, as you said, started in 2006, um, and it's um, grown today. I mean, we try to integrate it within the boys' learning um, throughout all aspects of kind of their education because it's really important as a all-boys school, all-male school, um, to, you know, make them aware of the issues that are prevalent within society, especially domestic violence, because it's a massive issue and it's something that needs to be addressed um, all the time. Um, we do a lot of things uh, within the school, more like monetary and non-monetary. Um, selling white ribbons is a way that you can raise money or financial assistance for those who are affected by domestic violence. And I feel like spreading the word is another way that you can help, or that we do quite a lot in our school. Um, and trying to, because not many people are aware of the issue of domestic violence, and it's quite a marginalised thing within society. Um, when you've got such massive issues that occur um, elsewhere, it's important to like focus on these aspects that you know occur. You know, the next household down. It's like quite a yeah prevalent issue, and I feel that it's important that we keep on doing this, and it's hopefully it grows in the future for our school. Be the change. Be the change. I think one of the things that I think will be a theme that goes all the way through this is that not all men are violent. Not all men want to exercise control over women and. Um, but it's the uh, it's actually making sure that we're fully aware of what control looks like and getting support when we can feel that as a result of not being in control, we try to uh, take influence over another, be that emotionally, financially, sexually, uh, um, physically, you know, all of those levels of abuse that tip into domestic violence. Stay tuned because when we come back, we might talk about Mr Weeks who was the your ambassador yeah and um at mox at knox school and maybe talk about some of the campaigns that you've put into place i have in the studio with me today peter and lachlan from knox grammar welcome hello ty richards and hunter meany from taramara high school welcome hello <laughs> hello we're raising awareness of men's violence against women. It's a white ribbon show. Um, everyone in the room has a relationship with white ribbon. Um, we Before the break, we were talking about a white ribbon school, which is Knox Grammar. They've been a white ribbon school since 2006. And um, Lachlan was telling us about some of the campaigns. Do you want to... Um, one of the ones that I know best was the Champions of Change initiative, which ended up as a video on YouTube. Can you talk us through that? Um, so the Champions Change initiative is 
are basically a group of Knox men who come together and they talk about the issue and they try and spread it within the Knox community. Um, we meet occasionally, uh, usually weekly, we talk about the issues within society and how we can actually uh, talk about it during, say, assemblies or year meetings or in the broader school community. Um, a recent uh, initiative we took was raising of funds because I think that's quite um, a substantial issue when it comes to people who have been affected by domestic violence. And we were able to raise, I think, $2,500 um, for the issue um, to help those who have been affected. And I think that was quite uh, a good indication of how um, much Knox boys care about the issue and how much they want to stop it. And as well, wearing the white ribbon pin on their uh, blazer is a representation of how much they want to change um, the issue of domestic violence. Fantastic. Um, they made it pretty clear to me at in year seven that we were going to be a white ribbon school and they've been like constant throughout um through through all our assemblies and everything that we've been a white ribbon school um and and as Lockie said through his like champions and change um we've been doing a lot to kind of support um those people who have suffered from domestic violence and we've seen that like through all my time at the senior school we've always been doing stuff that, um to kind of support those who have been suffering from domestic violence but also being aware so that you know it's educating us when we're young um, for me in year seven, I'm sure Lockie as well, um, when we're young, so that when we get up we um, and grow up, when we become men and we have to live by ourselves or with a woman, we know that it's not okay to lash out in violence um, at all. Um, so, yeah, they've kind of... They've grown us up to be um, men who, who are aware of this situation. So hopefully all men who go through knocks will, won't face this itch- issue because it's we've been constantly... Um, giving them information and, um, and statistics about this so that when they leave school that they won't have this issue. So it's interesting, isn't it? What you've shared there is the education is part of it. Yeah. But ultimately, you have to walk that education and, and, and uh, we have to hope that people take what they've been taught, the gifts that they've been given of the awareness and actually take that into their lives. Mm. That's that's the aim, isn't it? And school isn't everything. We have to to then take it into the to to our lives. And um I think we really have to have the conversation now what Hunter brought up before was that you can be an advocate at any age. You can speak up and and stand up and speak out. Now, Hunter, you're personally talking about making sure that it's really important to have conversations and not have them in hushed tones. We need to talk about this directly. Can you explain why that's important for you? I think it's important really for everyone that it's not talked about so quietly because a lot of the time people talk about it behind closed doors or when you mention it in public sort of lower their voices so that not everyone can hear. And I feel like it's not something everyone should hear. Like, it's not something that should be hidden. Like, maybe necessarily if you're in an abusive relationship and you are being abused and you don't feel comfortable talking about it, I understand that. But when people are talking about the issue, a lot of the times they talk quietly in the corner or... The other day I was on the train and as soon as I rang up the topic of domestic violence, my friend lowered her voice and made the conversation quieter and I just don't understand it because it's something people need to be aware of. It's something people need to see and hear about in order for them to learn what people like the White Ribbon Association um, do to protect and educate people on those issues. Do you think we're slightly ashamed and that's why all of a sudden the I conversation... Think, we just don't want to believe that that is actually happening. I think definitely. I think people are definitely ashamed that they know it can happen and that they know they've done... They've probably known someone that's happened to and they know they've done nothing about it. And so they, they don't want to talk about it because they probably feel a level of guilt to the conversation as well. I wonder also if this level of helplessness that it's a big issue and it's quite scary when you're around someone and you have first-hand experience. But, um, you know, even in my life, I've when you're around people who are out of control, it's scary. And very often in my experiences, it's always been around alcohol. So it's just made, it's heightened the fear and um, stepping up and standing out can be 
can be scary, but actually there are lots of things that we can do that don't put ourselves in danger, but equally support those around, you know, either the person who's the perpetrator or the person who's experiencing the domestic violence is on the receiving end of that abuse. Um, we might go into some of those those top tips. One thing, you know, if anyone, if this is bringing up anything for anyone, would be always remember that Lifeline is there and also um, call the police. You know, if you hear it or if you see it, call the police. Did you know that every two minutes the police are called to a domestic violence situation? Coming up after the next break, we're going to talk about the bystander approach. And I am in the studio today with Taramara High School and Knox Grammar School to have this conversation. We've been talking about White Ribbon and how um, we need to address and lead the conversation from a very young age about addressing violence against women. As we have illustrated so far, we have to address the standards of decency and respecting communication and behaviour we take as normal in order to role model a foundation that takes the, um, this next generation into their adult lives, not just through education, but encouraging them to, to walk it, walk that level of decency and respect for themselves and with each other. One in four women experiencing violence from a male partner in their own home, we absolutely cannot afford to look away. Now, as we said, not every man is violent. And the Institute, um, the Australian Institute of Family Studies talks about this approach as being um, engaged of the bystander approach as engaging nonviolent men in challenging violence against women in their peer groups and communities. Sounds like a pretty good initiative to me, you know. Um, so... Ty, why don't you read to us um, the first part? They've given three examples. Do you want to kick off? Yeah. Um, so uh, bystander approaches seek to build shared individual and community responsibility uh, for responding to and preventing sexual violence by encouraging people not directly involved in violence as a victim or perpetrator to take action. As such, they potentially have a key role to play in challenging cultures of violence in, and gender inequality. Fantastic. Peter? Uh, many Australian violence education and prevention programs already include some bystander elements, uh, such as how to care for a friend who has experienced violence or what to do when witnessing or becoming aware of an incident of violence against women. Thank you. Lachlan? Individuals are most likely to take positive action to respond to or prevent violence when they feel supported to do so by peers, communities and organisations, such as schools and workplaces, when they feel confident in their ability to take action and when they perceive that their action will make a positive difference, which I feel like is quite um, an important key issue. Um, if people or the victim feels comfortable um, coming out, and that's also talking about blaming the victim, and if people blame the victim, they don't feel comfortable coming out. And, you know, if they do um, feel like the society is safe, they can talk about it, and when more people talk, you know, more action can be done. And I feel like that's a, a sequence of events that need to take place in order to stop this issue that shouldn't be occurring within our society. And Hunter's example is a really good one. Hunter, you saw something wasn't right. Now, um, it doesn't have to be a woman. It can be anyone that stands up and says, this is not okay. We have to, we have to change the trajectory. We have to do something here. I mean, I, I'm guessing that you quite like those, those three initiatives, Hunter. Do you think they go far enough, those three um, comments? I feel that they do take it. Um, quite close to where I think is far enough, but I feel that there's probably always more that people can do because a lot of the time some of those initiatives don't get past the door. Like, it's a lot of the times it's happening behind closed doors. And, um, but we know someone that is um, violence um, against women or children could be in a seminar for one of these things but okay. you know really as soon as they walk through the front door and shut it they put it out of their head because they don't want to believe that they are like that um so a lot of the time it needs to come from another male that isn't violent against women and has an appreciation for what has been said to change it such a great point about behind closed doors like how much goes on behind closed doors how transparent are we happy to live you know in an in an, in a, a time where so much harm goes on under the cover of anonymity online abuse you know people like to do things behind closed doors they they think it's okay to 
that what they do at home doesn't affect what they do out in the world, but clearly it does because, as you, yeah, I, you picked up a very good point there. Anyone else? Yeah, I, I believe that most people think that what the actual abuse happens in public and so that when people see it, they'll be able to stop it. But really, the reality is that is that it happens behind closed doors. And I think it's about um, for families um, to know when that's happening and to um, have an impact when that's when that's happening. Um, and also for just the people um, to know that when it's in that home, that it's also not acceptable. Um, just in general, that there is never any excuse or reason for a man to use power or force over a woman in any way, um, whether it's in public or in your home. Um, there's no excuse for it. And as young people in a school, you have a family environment at school where you have the potential to support each other to know what's okay and what isn't because if your family at home, that's normal, that screaming, that shouting, that power play is normal, you might actually not know that it's not normal. And it's only by the reflections of your buddies at school that can actually say, dude, that's, that's not cool. Why would you say that to her? Or why would you think that about them? Yeah. yeah. Because I, oh, I feel like there are like two quotes that you could kind of um, bring that into the public discussion. One, which um, our headmaster, Mr. Weeks, says quite a lot, is the standard you uh, walk by is the standard you accept. And that can um, be challenging to groups. Um, when you're talking about that yeah in friendship groups and if they talk about that it's kind of the standard they accept and it's if they keep on talking about women in a negative way and they'll reciprocate that in other places um and as well um i think jean kilborn um she says the truth is that many men aren't violent overwhelmingly men aren't violent but many are many men are afraid to speak up are afraid to support women and are afraid to challenge other men and i feel like with men mostly they're usually they're not comfortable talking about these issues and they usually just go along with the mate says and that's kind of uh it it happens a lot um within schools and it's something that really needs to stop and you need to you know tell your mate it's not okay what you're doing and that kind of um facilitates uh it, later on domestic violence if they think that's okay to talk to a woman like that or to act or treat a woman like that um then it just adds up to the issue and it's not okay yeah, yeah. and it only takes one person to stop it too um, you only need one person in that friend group to say, hey, guys, that's that's not okay, yeah. before everyone starts to mm-hmm. jump on board yeah. and say, actually, yeah, what we said isn't okay. Yeah, yeah that's it, all we need to go to, the one person and then others knowing we actually need to support that person. Yeah. They've actually spoken for us. The other one wasn't. Tag. Yeah, because I know um, as young people, uh, you're like friendship circles and your mates, they're very influential on like who you become as an adult. Um, so, like... In the in the school or whatever, if you see the these things happening, this like domestic, this not domestic abuse, this like uh, gender inequality and just like sexual harassment, it's so important just to be like the be the change and stand up for it, because then as the boys were saying, once you once you do, um, people will rally behind you. Because in a in a big group when there's someone's going after someone and there's a lot of people standing there, everyone kind of holds back like oh someone else is going to do it. But if we all have that mindset of someone else is going to change it no one will ever do it so you have to be the one you have to be the one who steps up does says first that no nah, mate that's not that's not on that's not okay um then people get behind you because most likely everyone there agrees with you so you just have to show them that that you can stand up for it yeah well said because um I f- yeah i feel like if you just laugh um along and you go along with it um, it just kind of facilitates them to do it in the future. And mm. if you stop laughing and they realise that it's not a funny joke and no one really wants to hear that, they'll just, um, it'll be a preventative, a way of, um, they won't do it again. And it'll stop that kind of uh, talking about uh, women in a negative way within friendships, um, friendship groups. And I feel like that would be um, something that we should do and just say it's not okay. And, you know, draw a line between what's banter and what's actually just either sexual harassment or just um, talking about people in a negative way. Yeah, well said, Lachlan. We're going to talk about how much the media influences what you see and do and accept as your normal. I've noticed that, you know, um, babies are influenced by the media. They recognise brand names quicker than they can say the word sometimes. That's terrifying. So what if when we come back, we talk about 
that level of media, what we're influenced by and how we can influence media as well. I know I think what you said, Tig, about standing up and speaking out and being the leader being not waiting for someone else to do it but actually doing it ourselves we can bring that into the media world as well and call advertisers to account companies and organizations to account my guests in the studio today are peter and lachlan from knox grammar school and tig and hunter from taramara high hello hello this generation is more overtly influenced by media than any other generation particularly my generation because You've got social media. You've got media that follows you into your homes, into your rooms. With um, Marketeers are getting so much smarter about how to influence us, how we see things subliminally. We, you know, we don't even notice we're being branded to half of the time. That comes with a lot of responsibility. And um, Jean Kilbourne has done a TEDx. She's a pioneering activist and cultural theorist and has been studying the image of women in advertising for over 40 years. I'm going to start with you, Lachlan. What is the part of that that really struck you most, some of the adverts that that she talks about that were the most wrong? Uh, Probably um, from watching the video. I feel like the like the worst aspects of it would probably be just how young they're targeting like the age of the group they're targeting i mean there are seven um seven month year old um babies who are um being targeted for high heels i mean there's such an objectification of women um within media and media can play a positive and negative role i think we've seen that um in so many circumstances but it plays a positive role of course in spreading the message of say no to domestic violence and you know spreading people's kind of experiences but it plays a um, really negative role in objectifying women um, sexualizing women um, creating this ideal body type for both men and women but it specifically affects women a lot worse I mean you can see women who develop eating disorders um, anorexia depression I mean there's such you know like with such a um positive way of influencing people it does a lot worse and it's quite a bad thing in society when it comes to just uh, how it influences women and how you know they care about their lives it hits the self-esteem doesn't it, does, it? Yeah. and if you if your self-esteem drops. isn't strong mm. and drops you're far more likely to accept a level of abuse in your life yeah. because there's a there's a lack of self-worth and there might be a norm that you're treating yourself with that you put as a benchmark for someone else's treatment of you. Yeah. So um, that's also correct. I mean, if you're more likely to believe what the media says and believe what they say about women and men, then you're more likely to be prone, like the standard, um, and domestic violence. And I feel like if you accept that, then you'll be more prone to it. And I feel like that's um, one of the main issues today when it comes to our media and the significance it plays within our daily lives. Which advertising company was it that had the gang rape... Um, Versace. Versace. I Versace. thought it was Versace mm. too, like that. And then the, there's another one where a man is is sitting with a baseball bat and he's got a dead woman in his boot. Mm. I mean, yeah, I saw that like one. you look at, th- and these are advertising. There was one where they were advertising jeans and the woman was naked on her lower half, and it was like, you know, where, where are the jeans that you're advertising? Yeah. <laughs> he's wearing jeans. His jeans look great, but it's that bit that just completely sexualizes and objectifies a woman's body. And you kind of have to see that the moment you objectify either gender, but let's go with women, you you leave the door wide open to feeling like they are something to be owned. It justifies violence, I guess, in a way. It becomes normalized. It becomes um, normalized, so it's all this media because it's such a big impact um, and that whole objectification of women it if it's continuing to be shown it just becomes normal and so people even they don't they don't know what um, any better um, but depending on what they say or what they think of women it's just normal because what they've seen from the media and some people are heavily influenced by the media mm. media so let's talk about two campaigns and bring you um, hunter and tag into this um, The two campaigns that I'm most aware of that have been very positive about uh, trying to bring awareness to that bystander activity and also uh, how influential parents are in what they say. The first one would be the uh, Lend a Hand. Um, Now, this was a a, uh, campaign that was done by um, Saatchi and Saatchi 
with some sponsorship from the United Nations Development Fund. It features a couple having dinner in their apartment and they hear a man verbally abusing a woman in the apartment next door. The argument clearly escalates to physical violence to the point where the wall shakes and their picture looks like it's going to fall off. The man clearly, you know, the woman is looking at her husband as if to say, what are we going to do here? This is really awkward. They're not talking to each other. The man gets up. He picks up a baseball bat and walks down the corridor and knocks on his neighbour's door. When the neighbour answers, the man outside the door hands him the baseball bat and says, you might be needing this. I found that I, I found that quite um, hard to watch. The words across the bottom of the ad said, do nothing and you might as well be lending a hand. I'll put the link to that on my blog site so that people can t- can read it afterwards. Now, one of the things, this the feelings that I got from the advert, when the, when the man on the inside opened the door, there was a feeling of a power discrepancy between the man on the inside and the man on the outside of the door as well. And th- I, whether it was my imagination, I felt that the... That, the, that he came and um, the man on the outside with a baseball bat slightly shrunk. He, it wasn't in a kind of strong, powerful way. Hey, look, you know, you might need this. It was the fact that he was intimidated by it as well. I think in that situation, all you can do is call the police. The moment you start hearing the verbal abuse, call the police. Don't wait for the first punch to be thrown. Um, you, you need to actually know what's abuse and what isn't. So the other one that I've seen is uh, the one that's currently running and it is a family barbecue where there is a group of people outside playing cricket and the woman is inside um, cooking, I believe. I could be wrong, but that's the impression that I was given. The girl goes to walk outside and a boy slams the door in her face And the mum comes over and kneels down by the daughter and said, it's okay, darling, it's just because he likes you. And he's smug standing outside and she's crushed. Now, I see her being crushed by two things. One, the fact that he would do that to her at the same age. But two, what the mum said to justify the boy's behaviour. And I know know that I've um, talked to my kids when they were growing up, when they were uh, they were bullied at school we talk about it about being jealousy or you know they they um they like you and a boy sometimes doesn't know how to do that but the i've realized that saying that i crush that girl to or boy to to look at life and understand that it's just not okay like i put my hands up and say i've learned tig what do you feel yeah so um i just like as young people and especially like young children um your their parents are the most influential people in their lives and uh who they become as adults is just shaped by their parents and like the interactions they have at home so as in that ad as soon as a parent or like a guardian or someone they really look up to uh justifies the behavior that will then lead for the rest of their life they'll think oh, okay that's okay it's fine for like men to hit women like if that's what you're shown as a young at a young age and that's justified to you as a child especially from your parents that's just how you'll think life is and you'll just think that's how like that's what's right so do you think also that i mean what you just said there leads me to say that they might think that that's what being liked is that actually aggression and verbal abuse or physical abuse is is being liked or you know we might even say love it's an expression of love i love you i just i love you so much i I just, I lost it, but, you know, it's because I love you that I care and that, I mean, please. Yeah, so it uh, it does really just skew your view of reality because mm. then you just think, because, like, for people like myself or whoever who haven't, that hasn't happened in my life, um, I can see and be like, that's, like, kind of silly. Why would you, why would you think that's right? But then... um I know that if that had been my childhood, I would have then thought that would be okay. So it does skew your view of reality um, and just influences how you'll grow up and how you act. Children are so sensitive. They feel everything and they feel beyond what they can verbalise. But they're so sensitive. And, And 
when we have rising rates of anxiety and depression and self-harm, we do have to ask ourselves, what are they seeing that they can't vocalise they're uncomfortable about? In the 2014 examination of intentional self-harm in children, they outlined the intersection of self-harm and family and domestic violence as an important area for further research. And one of the participants of the round table said that every child who suicided in the last 12 months came from a domestic violence family. Now, I'm not going to say that every child who suicides, that's their experience. But the fact that it came up at this round table, and it's 2014, it's, you know, it's a few years old, but that's that's really relevant, isn't it? Um, it is. Like, it's, I feel that it's such high numbers, it's almost ridiculous how that there is such a correlation between kids harming themselves and suicide and domestic violence that it, um, till today I hadn't ever heard that statistic, um, which I think is ridiculous like it's it amazes me that people suffer these things and because they can't talk about it um publicly or they don't want to talk about it publicly they um they hurt themselves or they feel like the better option is essentially killing themselves Mm, feel so helpless they don't actually know how to do it we've really got to find a way to empower children young people young adults adults themselves to be able to feel that as a community we're standing beside them and we we all agree we just need one person to stand up and then other people will can stand up too if we all stand up we might all be the first fantastic but don't wait for someone else to do it yeah it just takes out one person to kind of say that's not okay and then you know, the rest will follow and then, you know, it leads to a change and that leads to a better society and a safer place for women and both men as well. Mm. And like, it can be difficult to be the first and, like, be brave enough to stand up, but then you can think, oh, it's hard, like, I might get judged, but it's so much better for the person who is being abused if you stand up because you can't just stand there and let them, like, cop a hit or whatever because that's just being incredibly selfish and you can't justify not standing up because I don't want to get involved or I don't want to be bullied because of it because it's probably a hundred times worse for the other person mm. it it shows I mean sorry I mean that uh, sorry to go off a little bit off track here but back onto like the media it talking about all the ads that we've been talking about it shows I mean also media can be a bad representation of women but it can also have good impacts it can have like have an impact on these conversations that we're having now um it shows like that it's real like what's happening in those ads is actually real and it's what's happening and it's it's keep keeping us aware that what's happening in those ads is happens in real life too because um, yeah. um with social media um i think everyone in this room knows that uh the people who use it are getting younger and younger i mean you can see people in year two having iphones and having access to facebook and they have that aspect of being they see all these, you know, the objectification of women, but they not, might not know what it means, but they have that aspect. But they leave a bit about, you know, how it um, changes people's views um, and how, you know, that really does affect someone, but they don't know that. I mean, they're so young. And it's a shame because they're not introduced to the concept of domestic violence because it's such a, a hushed issue, as Hunter was talking about, uh, within society. So they don't know about it. So if they could, if we could kind of influence them a bit more about that issue younger then they'll grow up to be um a more knowledgeable or more aware person so i think that's quite um a relevant issue um when it comes to social media and the influence yeah and with that with uh really young children having access to like facebook and internet and stuff uh it's so easy for them to they have access to like adult content and things they like they can't as young people understand and comprehend yet um and then because they've been exposed to that at a young age when they do grow up they have they already have a perception and like a a bias or a prejudice towards the thing they've seen so then it's harder for them to change and then to actually understand what it means yeah i mean the brain is developing it's making connections and adolescence is the time where it it starts forming what's relevant and what isn't now um, this is a whole nother show in itself, but the um, the younger age for boys, young boys to access porn is 10 years old. Now, that skews the perception of a relationship completely. Like, there is nothing equal 
in the images that you're going to see in that sphere. So imagine if that is what you then consider as normal. Like it's ridiculous. It's really quite quite scary. Yeah. I mean, we have a again a big responsibility yeah. to talk about it and call it out. Yeah, because it's it's a standard um, also for advertising and marketing that it's just unattainable. I mean, if you're talking about people. I think there was an advertisement where the actual um, head was bigger than their torso, and that's just—it's just ridiculous. I don't really know how they can believe that people will buy that, but they do. They believe in it, and they take part in this whole thing that's just objectifying people. It's making um, images unattainable, and it's a bit—it's disappointing, and it you know shouldn't happen, but it does. Um, Um, We need parents to lead the way, don't we? In in this situation, we need parents to live the way. So Hunter and I was well. Hunter was talking with the rest of us earlier when I was telling him that in a survey which I'll put on the website, it's called Responding to Everyone's Responding is Everyone's Business, and it's um, run by Anne Rose. It says that um, one of the reasons why uh, the reasons for returning into a relationship after a, a woman has left was for the sake of the children. You know, the commitment to the relationship, the partner promised to stop being violent, but that sake for the sake of the children for the sake of the children that's the second highest reason for going back and yet hunter was saying please no please no yeah well my mum i think definitely stayed in a relationship longer than she would have because there was four of us and me and my sisters <coughs> barely have a relationship with our father <coughs> sorry um uh, but my little brother's really close to my dad and she thought that leaving him would really affect him and it really did like it's definitely affected him and his relationships with us because we were the ones that said you have to get out um but a lot of the time I feel that people go back because they think um that like in my family um my mum felt that yes he's his son so therefore he deserves or should be allowed the opportunity to have a relationship with his son. And so they go back to them believing that it will change for the sake of their children, like that it will change so that the father can have a relationship with their kids and all that. But then a lot of the time, nothing changes. And then they're just back there where they started. When we come back, we're going to talk about how we can get involved locally in an event that's coming up to walk against violence against women we've been talking in today's show um about white ribbon about the uh what we can do to change the trajectory for violence against women how we can be the change we want to see the importance of that in our lives of 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 the early intervention that we can have with young people it's a huge society issue it is overwhelming when you look at the magnitude of the problem but big trees come from little acorns so it has to start with us now this coming friday our community is having a community walk against violence initiative it is going to be um held by it's hosted by sir Optimus international you might remember the interviews i did last year when i actually did them on the walk and then played them out afterwards i will put links to those but um this year i think i'm going to do a live cross from the station um to the morning show everyone's welcome we meet at the fountain at 7 30 you walk you do your walk around um around hornsby there's a designated walk and you're um there are police on route to make sure you don't get run over by a car although i'd personally take responsibility of making sure that you obey all the road rules at the same time and uh, then we meet back at the fountain for a sausage sizzle at 8 30 now if you can wear something orange then you really show your commitment to um being part of that campaign and and that you're happy to to be seen as part of the 16 days of activism against gender violence which kicked off yesterday from the 25th of november to the 10th of december Last year we had the boys from Normanhurst and Asquith. Um, so hopefully this year, what do you reckon? Do you think we might have Knox and Taramara High there? Definitely. We're yeah. definitely going to be advertising Yeah, I reckon, reckon yeah. we'll try to get there. Yeah. And it's not just about boys coming. You know, girls' schools can come, but I think we've got to have the youth represented so that, you know, you kind of... You're clearly leading the way in the show today. Let's take it to the streets and, and walk yeah. with walk the love that we know we are. I'm not I'm not one for walking in anger. I think that that actually 
does just as much harm and embeds anger and resentment in mm. our body. We're talking about love here. We're talking about walking the gentleness and the tenderness that we are as, you know, you're caring human beings. So, so walk that care in the streets. Now, um, obviously, one of the, the big things for White Ribbon is for people to take the oath, to pledge the oath. Yeah, um, our whole oh, you took the oath and we created a video um, for the boys taking the oath. Yeah, that's right. And, and it's something that is really important. I mean, even though it's just words and it's not binding, it's something that if someone hears the oath, you know, they can kind of tell their friends about it and it's something that they want to take a stance against it. And yeah, so I think the oath is quite an important aspect of White Ribbon. It is. I will stand up, speak out and act to prevent men's violence against women. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So maybe when you go back to your schools, try and do some videos this year and get people to sign the pledge, um, sign up online. You know, maybe just do a little video wall from your school saying that you, you pledge to stand up, speak out and act to prevent men's violence against women. What are the wise words? Let me start with you, Peter. Sure. Where are we going to go? Um, you, I believe you can educate people and you can make them aware of domestic violence and how much of an impact that this has and how on like suicide and all of that. Um, but as long as you talk about it, it's all about doing. You can talk about it as much as you want, but as, but as, but until you do something, it won't mean anything. Um, so I think my wise words would be to anyone listening um, would be to if you're in a situation in which. Um, maybe your friends um, at school or in the workplace are having that maybe that conversation that you're not comfortable with about um, dem- or about not necessarily violence but um, but about women um, in a demeaning way. Um, be brave and stand up to them. Um, you know, the first time you stand up is always the hardest. Um, and I think once once you stand up, someone will follow. Um, maybe you t- might get some stick for it, but I think if you do that, you're having an impact. And I think that's how we're going to get rid of domestic violence, is if, if everyone stands up together and says something. Lachlan. Okay. Um, so basically along the same lines of Peter, which um, I think is um, the main thing I want to talk about, is that just all violence, in the words of Tanya Plibersek, um, starts with... So all violence starts with disrespect, and I feel like that is true. I mean... If everyone uh, talks about it in a negative way, then it ends up reciprocating later in their life. And I feel like you want to be that one person who says no, that takes the stance on everyone um, who just negatively talks about it. So I feel just be that one person, take that change, and everyone else will follow. And I feel like that's probably my wise words of wisdom um, I'd like to share today. Thank you very much, <coughs> Tig. Um, yeah, so similar to what all the boys are talking about, just try to be be the one who uh, makes a change and stand up Uh, because like at school in your school community and in the broader like workplace and just in in the like local community um, you get known for what you do and who you are so if you stand up and then become known as the person who stands up for people in like domestic violence relationships uh, that will really encourage the people afflicted by it and everyone else around you to um, get up and join in. Uh, so to do that, um, there are like many ways you can uh, like get that name for yourself or whatever. Um, so you can just use your skills that you have to um, help people. So if you're like an artist, you can create art, um, like talking about how it's bad, like music, uh, poetry, um, anything. You can use your gifts and your talents um, for good by using them to support like associations like White Ribbon um, just to make it aware that it's not on. Speaking through all sorts of different forms of expression. Thanks, Ty. Hunter? Um, <clears throat> I think mine's pretty similar to the guys as well. Um, I think really it should just stop being talked about in hushed tones and behind closed doors or... When people are talking about it, people shouldn't necessarily shy away from that conversation. They should actively get involved because I feel like shying away from it means that other people don't hear it. And if people are talking about it and how it's wrong, um, how domestic violence and violence against women is wrong, then people will not feel more ashamed, but they'll feel more accountable for their actions. They'll 
when they go home, if they do do those things, they'll probably feel a level of, I know what I'm doing is wrong. And they'll they'll probably not necessarily change the way they are, but maybe start the change or look to make sure what they're doing isn't wrong, to make sure that in the, they are not conforming to society, but they are having the same level of respect for everyone else as the rest of society does. Thank you very much. The The depth that you've taken us to is enormous. Thank you. Um, what you're asking for is for people to go and get help when they actually, if, if they do consider that they can see something isn't quite right, go and get help for yourself. It, it, it's not comfortable being in the body of someone who knows that they're doing something like that. We're all, we know when we do something that is unkind to another. We know it. So I always say in the show, get support in the community because it is there. You've just got to be brave enough to, to look for it. And that's being a true man is getting help. Mm. Thank you all very much Thank for you. being part Thank of the show welcome. today. Thanks. Thank you. Now, next week's show is a show about the work of Rotary International and some of the events they're running in the local community. Rotary is a service, it is about service above self and I've met many people who care very deeply about the community and I have no doubt that that will come across in next week's show. My dynamic guests in the studio will be from Warunga, Taramara and Hornsby Rotary. So to close, remember, regardless of what has or is happening to you in your life, you are and always will be you and you are amazing. The key is to reconnect to that space and to learn to build a relationship with your body so you can recognize when your body's trying to tell you something's not quite right and then seek support with the appropriate support service, be that mental or physical health. Look for support in the community. It is there. The podcast for today's show will be available through the Stay in the Loop with Lucy website and on SoundCloud. And if you want to get any updates, then please remember to like the at Stay in the Loop with Lucy Facebook page. Till next week's show, remember to take a moment to look after you, to connect to the amazing people in our community. Be kind, be caring, be love, be all of you. You've been listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy on Triple H 100.1 FM.